What do you think of when you hear the word power? Power. Uh, people might think of a lot of things, uh, natural things like Niagara Falls, uh, the Amazon River, or disasters like hurricanes and earthquakes. People might think about political leaders or rich tycoons or intellectuals. Uh, maybe Greek mythology or modern-day superheroes come to mind. Power for others might conjure up images of muscle cars, uh, Olympic athletes, maybe uh, machismo or feminism, maybe explosives or hydroelectricity. But if you were to survey the world as to what constitutes power, few would say a ridiculed and rejected man beaten, bruised, and condemned, and subsequently pierced to a cross in public scorn and grotesque shame, let alone one who bears the wrath, curse, and condemnation of God. That's, that's not the picture of power in many people's minds. But God's estimation of power is different than the world's. Tonight, I simply want to reflect upon one verse, 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the cross is the power of God. And I'm going to address three simple questions this evening. What is the word of the cross? Why is the word of the cross folly to those who are perishing? And how is the word of the cross the power of God to us who are being saved? First, what is the word of the cross? What did Paul mean by the phrase, word of the cross? Well, Paul used the famous Greek word logos, logos, which means word, a statement, or the act of making a statement. So if you're in a group of people and you want to talk privately to one person from that group, you might say to them, may I have a word with you? Meaning, could we go in and communicate with each other in private, away from the rest of the people? When Paul writes word of the cross, he's talking about a word, a, a statement, a message about a particular cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18 begins with a little conjunction for, connecting verse 18 back to verse 17. In verse 17, Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So the word of the cross is the content of what Paul preached, the gospel. Paul contrasted the preaching of the gospel of the cross with words of eloquent wisdom, or we could say worldly wisdom. So the word of the cross is another way to refer to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God working in and through the preaching of that gospel. The King James Version actually translates word of the cross as preaching of the cross. What is the cross? 
What is the cross? The cross is the killing of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the place of sinners. The cross is where Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, voluntarily and joyfully submitted himself to the sovereign will and redemptive plan of God and gave himself up to be pierced as the atoning sacrifice and payment of his people's sin debt. The cross is where Jesus Christ suffered hell for his people, bore the full wrath and righteous condemnation of God for his people because they had broken the law and were cursed in their wickedness. He took their curse upon himself. On the cross, Jesus Christ was both the expiation and the propitiation of his people, meaning... He removed his people's guilt and shame, removed God's wrath and the consequences of sin from them, and reconciled them to God to receive and delight in God's divine favor and righteousness, or a relationship rather, from objects of God's wrath and enmity to objects of God's grace and adoption through the cross. The cross is where Jesus Christ made the ransom payment for the body and soul of every person God gave him to redeem so that they would belong to him, body and soul. Pardon was achieved through the cross. Forgiveness was achieved through the cross. The crushed head of Satan was achieved through the cross. The death of the power of sin over God's people was achieved through the cross. The liberation from the enslavement to sin for God's people was achieved through the cross. Eternal life was achieved through the cross. The word of the cross and its proclamation, dear friends, is the good news of salvation found in Jesus Christ alone. You probably have heard that foolish statement, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. That's absurd. Whoever said that should simply read Paul. Our thankful obedience to God does communicate something to the world. I don't want to minimize that. But quite frankly, preaching can only be done with words. Paul also said, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to hear without someone preaching? Saints, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the word of the cross, not the picture of the cross, not the movie of the cross, not the drama of the cross, not the symbol of the cross, not the icon of the cross. It is the word of the cross, the preaching of the cross, the proclamation of the cross, the verbalization of the cross, which is the power of God. Secondly, why is the word of the cross folly to those who are perishing. 
a God that was crucified, unthinkable. Right? The cross is folly, unthinkable, foolish, ridiculous, silly, ludicrous, preposterous, absurd, outlandish, outrageous, bizarre, unreasonable nonsense for every single person who is perishing in their sin and misery. They can't make sense of it. It's kind of like this. Do you, do you remember David Koresh and the Branch Davidians and, and the whole 1993 standoff in Waco, that whole debacle? It, what, a, what a sad and creepy situation that was. And in, in thinking back to it, we think of David Koresh as a religious fanatic who was out of his mind. Uh, he's not a hero. He's not admired. He's disdained. Maybe even he's pitied. Um, how we view David Koresh is kind of like how unbelievers view the message of a crucified Christ. Extreme, radical, foolish. Some even consider the cross cosmic child abuse. But why? Why? Why would people who desperately need a Savior be so turned off at the idea of a Savior? Simple answer, they're dead in their transgressions. Dead people don't believe. They do what dead people do. Be dead. Uh, simple answer, they're spiritually deaf. The, the deaf people don't hear. They can't hear. Simple answer, they're blind. They, they can't see the glory of Christ crucified and risen in the preaching of the gospel. Simple answer, they're trapped and enslaved in sin. Slaves to sin do not do what people free from sin do. They can't. People who desperately need a Savior reject the Savior because trusting in Him would require them to humble themselves, admit their sin and guilt, and plead with God for pardon, and they're too prideful. And they don't want to give up their sin. God's judgment for unbelievers is leaving them to their preferences and free choices. God saves dead sinners when he overpowers their preferences and free choices and grants them life in Christ, grants them a new heart, a new preferences, new desires, new choices by the Spirit working in them. Dearest saints, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider this carefully. We all know and love people who have heard the gospel but simply don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't want to believe it. They have no time for it. They yawn at it. They dismiss it. They argue it away. They value other things more than it. And you can tell that they prefer wisdom, the wisdom and philosophy of the world. They hear, but they just don't hear. Some even say that they, they believe the gospel, but, but then you wonder how that could be true because you watch it make no difference in their lives. Some say they believe the gospel, 
But then you hear them say they believe things so contrary to the gospel of the cross that you doubt they actually understand what they say they believe. Saints, do you understand why this is? Why unbelievers hear the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and then they consider it absurd and, and irrelevant. They don't need it. I've heard it. I, I, no, 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 thank you. Why? Well, later in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives an answer. So please think about this carefully. Meditate on this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And that's key, spiritually discerned. Do you understand that phrase? A natural person is a person dead in sin, enslaved to sin blinded by sin and the God of this world. In other words, they're a normal person, just normal. When a natural and normal person encounters the word of the cross, they render it foolishness because they are unable, incapable, without the capacity to understand it. That's what Paul is saying. To, the, the, incapable of receiving it by faith because the word of the cross is spiritually discerned, spiritually discerned. The Spirit must work faith in someone so that they spiritually discern it and therein receive the gospel with faith, by faith. So that means in order for a person to truly receive and rest in Christ, they must not be a natural, normal person but must be a spiritual person, meaning God must regenerate them and make them alive to to truly understand and receive Christ. God must do that work of salvation in their heart. He must give them faith. No natural person apart from the transforming grace of God truly understands and receives the word of the cross. They can't. Because of human depravity, human sinfulness, human wickedness, human corruption, every fiber of their being resists the gospel of the cross until God sovereignly gives them a new heart, which inevitably, that heart, which inevitably wants and receives the gospel of the cross because the regenerated heart knows it desperately needs the gospel of the cross and that it receives the gospel of the cross by God's gracious hand, his sovereign hand. Listen to what Paul said in his second letter to the the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The gospel is veiled because they are blind in their sin and the God of this world blinds their minds. 
A veiled gospel makes no sense to them. They can't see it. In 2 Thessalonians 2.10, Paul explains that those who are perishing refused to love the truth and so be saved. They hate the word of the cross. They hate the truth and refuse to receive the Savior. They have no time for it, no interest in him. And Paul adds in the next two verses that because of their stubborn unbelief, quote, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness, end of quote. You see, God's delusion hardens them in their willful unbelief. They believe what is false and they are condemned. They subjected themselves to condemnation by their unbelief. Why is the word of the cross folly to those who are perishing? Because they don't want to believe it. They they are perishing in their sins because they want to, because they choose to. They are not rejecting the word of the cross against their will as if they are being coerced or because the word of the cross is somehow illogical or irrelevant. They're rejecting the word of the cross because they regard it as silliness, as, as offensive and irrelevant. And so... They consciously reject the gospel, reject Christ, because that is what their sin-confined mind, emotions, and will naturally and freely do. It's human nature. And Paul said that they are in the process of perishing. Notice Paul said, those who are perishing, they are on their way to eternal ruin and endless misery. William Hendrickson said, this expression has both a subjective and an objective element. Subjectively, the people repudiating Paul's message regard it as folly. Objectively, the effect of the rejection is irrevocable doom. They are not on the verge of perishing, but in actuality are perishing. End of quote. Third, how is the word of the cross the power of God to us who are being saved? The Greek word is dunamis, power, ability. This means that the gospel has the supernatural power or ability to save from beginning to end. See, God saves his people and he uses the proclamation of the gospel of the cross to do it. God graciously comes to sinners in their sin and misery, graciously uncovers for them their sin and misery by his law, graciously brings them bring, brings out in them a deep sense of need and desire for rescue and graciously credits to them the merits of Christ in which they rest for their salvation. The word of the cross is the power of God. 
the Holy Spirit of God works in and through the preaching of the gospel of the cross to transform hearts, to regenerate, to make alive, to rebirth, to stimulate, to create, to build, to strengthen, to hearten, to fortify, to purify, to support, to comfort, to assure. God does this. The preaching of the gospel of the cross is of absolutely no effect unless the Holy Spirit of Christ is active, granting, and sustaining faith. And when the Holy Spirit is present and active, working through the word of the cross, hard, impenitent hearts become soft and penitent. The The dead live, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk. God overpowers obstinate unbelief and grants supernatural faith and union with Christ. One helpful study Bible commented. For believers, the news of the crucified Savior is the power of God. Because God is at work in proclaiming this message. God himself persuades sinners to come to faith in Jesus and thus be saved as the news of Jesus, the crucified Savior, is proclaimed. End of quote. Friends, clear and powerful law and gospel preaching has fallen into disrepute today. The church's confidence in preaching the word of the cross has waned, uh, which is evidenced in how shallow and worldly much preaching has become and how many local churches get sidetracked with innovative tactics and trends to reach people. Many churches have traded in the pulpit for whatever brings people in the door. Instead of preaching the powerful word of the cross. Clearly for people, churches preach the popular word of the day. All kinds of crazy things are introduced into preaching and church life which have no power. And yet, those things with no power are pushing the pulpit to the side. So my question is, dear saints, brothers and sisters, why don't Christians put more trust in what God has infused with power? Notice that Paul said, to us who are being saved, being saved, not to us who have been saved, although that's true, but rather to us who are being saved. That's a present passive plural participle. Just Just as unbelievers are in the process of perishing, believers are in the process of being saved by God's powerful and miraculous grace. God is active. They are passive. He is still saving them and using the word of the cross to do it. Scripture talks about salvation in three different tenses. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved all of which are God's powerful work for us. There is a sense in which Christ is still saving us. 
Our salvation in one sense is complete in Christ. It's a sure thing. It's accomplished already. But it is also being completed as sin is being brought, excuse me, to its final death in us and God is readying us for his eternal presence. It is the word of the cross which continues to save God's already saved people who will be saved. A few verses later in 1 Corinthians 1.21, Paul adds, Since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Does God save people from their sin and misery through worldly wisdom and eloquence? through pop psychology, through the newest innovative church growth strategy? No. No. God doesn't save anyone through any of those things. God saves and sanctifies by the word of the cross. Paul said, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. How does God save through the foolish message of a crucified and risen Christ. Heidelberg 65 asks this, Since then faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits, where does this faith come from? Where does faith come from? From the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit works faith in people by the preaching of the word of the cross. If he didn't, no one would hear. No one would respond. It's the Holy Spirit that grants faith. Listen to what Article 3 of the Canons of Dort says. It's, it's titled, The Preaching of the Gospel. It's a great statement. It says this, And that men may be brought to believe... God mercifully sends the messengers of these most joyful tidings to whom he will and at what time he pleases, by whose ministry men are called to repentance and faith in Christ crucified. And then it quotes Romans 10, 14 and 15. Great passage in Romans 10. God has ordained to save his elect and ensures that each of them is saved by mercifully sending them a preacher, a a, a preacher to proclaim to them the good news of the word of the cross. God does it in his timing and he uses his means, his lawfully ordained preachers to call people to repentance and faith in Christ crucified And in God's universal call, I'm going to slow down on this one, in God's universal call of the gospel to the nations, it goes to everyone, in there is for his chosen people his unique and effectual call which draws his elect to him. Well, what about after his people are saved? Are they left to their own effort and strength and faith to endure to the end, to work it out on their own? Hey, I saved you, now you work it out. No. God continues to use the word of the cross preached to graciously preserve his people to the end. 
Article 14 of the Canons of Dort is titled God's Use of Means in Perseverance. And it says this, And as it has pleased God by the preaching of the gospel to begin this work of grace in us, so he preserves, continues, and perfects it by the hearing and reading of his word by meditation thereon, and by the exhortations, threatenings, and promises thereof, and by the use of the sacraments. Brothers and sisters, this means that the preaching of the word of the cross does not only bring people to Christ, but it preserves them in Christ. God's people must hear the word of the cross over and over and over and over again so that they will persevere until the end to receive the great prize of Christ. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When you and I think of power, Let our minds go first to our glorious Christ who by his power purchased us and frees us from the tyranny of the devil. We belong to Christ. We belong to Christ, brothers and sisters, because by his power in the gospel of the cross, he saved us.